Welcome to Elevate Life Church. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy another elevated message. Here's Senior Pastor Sergio Lamone. See that full plan. Everything seems to make no sense. I know that you're in control. In control. I trust Turn to Mark chapter 16, 15 through 17. Now, I've been in and out a lot this summer, but in between, we've kind of been in a series called Loving Yourself. And we wanted to talk about this because the world is preaching this very strong to all of us. And there's a, their, their message is take care of yourself. And they talk about self-care and living your best life and all this other stuff. But see, they preach it from a place of self-gratification. They preach it from a place of loving yourself in the sense of, you know, treat yourself right and indulge yourself, okay? But let me just tell you something. According to what the Word of God says, that is not properly loving yourself. And so we need to make a distinction. God's Word says that if you love yourself, you will lay down your life and exchange it for Christ's. So that's what loving ourselves means if you're a Christian, that we deny our flesh and we take up our cross and we follow him. And so we've been making the distinction of what it means to follow Jesus Christ. And we talked about last week uh, the importance of knowing Jesus as Lord, because some of us, you only know him as Savior. You only know him as healer. You only know him as provider. That's why you only pray to him when you need something. Okay. But you don't know him as Lord, because if you knew him as Lord, then you would obey his word. Okay, so, you know, Jesus as Savior, but you're still the king of your life. And that's why you can't leave the world. That's why you can't serve Jesus as king. When you understand him as king, you understand a king calls the shots. Whatever the king says is the law. And here's something else. In a kingdom, the king owns everything. That means he owns your life. He owns your money. He owns your house. He owns your car. Uh Uh-uh, it's mine. Because you ain't made him king yet. And until you make him king, you are going to find that you you don't have the ability to access the kingdom of God in your life. So go back and you can listen to that when we talked about it last week. But today on the subject of loving yourself, I want to talk to you about building your faith. Okay? Because if you love yourself, you need to take care of the most precious commodity that you have as a believer. And that is what you believe. The world is constantly preaching to you and trying to get you to subscribe to a belief system. And so many of you have bought into it and you believe things 
that are contrary to God's word. And that's why you're in the situation that you are. And so as believers, uh, we need to be just that, believers in God's word, not in what culture tells us and things of that nature. And so look what it says in Mark chapter 16, 15 and 17. It says this, and he said to them, us, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes, everybody say believes, and is baptized will be saved. The prerequisite for salvation is you first got to believe. Can I get an amen on that? Look what else it says. And he who does not believe will be condemned. So there it is. We got to believe or not believe. All right. Keep reading. It says, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons and they will speak with new tongues. But there's something that must happen in your life. You must believe. And so the enemy knows this. So what the enemy does is he works overtime to get you to believe the wrong thing. Or what he's trying to do is steal your faith. And so he preaches loud to you through your social media account, through the people you follow, through the news, through your family, through the culture. And he preaches things to us and he's preaching and he's trying to get us to believe things. And we saw this amplified through COVID-19. And we saw how the world was put in a state of fear. And we began to declare to you, have faith, not fear. But see, the thing is, faith and fear both function on the same premise. It comes down to what do you believe? A wise man once said it like this, whatever you believe is true whether it is or not. I'll say that again. Whatever you believe is true, whether it is or not. That's how it works in the spirit realm. Let me put it to you like this. It's been said before that faith is the currency of the kingdom. In other words, you don't get what you want. You get what you can believe God for. Let me say that again. You don't get what you want in the kingdom. You get what you can believe God for. So therefore, there's a battle taking place. Satan is trying to get you to believe him and believe the world and what they say. God is in a battle to get you to believe his word. And the way he does it is he promises us things. Trying to get, you know, parents, you know how this is. You ever promised your kids something just to get them to act right? Come on, man, if you just sit here quiet while I'm in this meeting, I will take you to McDonald's afterwards. And sure enough, okay, that kid, you know, stops and okay, I'm going to McDonald's afterwards. So I better, you know, sit here and be quiet. It's kind of like what the book of Hebrews teaches us, that those that believe in God must first believe that he is a God and he is a rewarder of those that believe. So the book of Hebrews kind of is trying to tell us this is how God works. And he fills his book with promises if you believe. So understand the kingdom of God, the currency is not you get what you want, but you get what you can believe God for. We call this faith. 
And Jesus is telling us here in Mark 16, go into all the world, preach the gospel, because if you can get people to believe in me, they'll be saved. I just got back from Japan, and while I'm preaching in a nation with only 1.5% of Christians, I'm telling you, what is, my, what is my job? To get people there to believe. Because if they can believe, they can receive salvation. And it's the same thing. If you can believe in healing, you can be healed. If you can believe in God's provision, you will be, he will provide for you. It's not enough to just want it. It comes down to what you believe. But here's the problem. Satan comes along to steal your faith. And he uses things. And, and so when we read Mark 16, I want to back up a little bit and take you to Mark, chap, Mark 16, that same chapter. But let's look at verse 9, what happens before Jesus releases the Great Commission. It's something interesting that happens here to the disciples. Now, before we read this, remember, the disciples had been with Jesus for three years they walked with him, they talked with him, they joked around with him, they hung out with him, they traveled with him, they saw the miracles that he did with their own eyes, they ate from the food that he multiplied, the loaves and the fishes, they did miracles in his name, they, they were with him three solid years, yet something happened to them after he died on the cross. Let's look at this in verse 9. It says this, now when Jesus arose Early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. And she went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and they wept. Now listen to this. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. They didn't believe. Remember, they were with him for three years. Let's keep reading. And after that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. And those two went and told it to the rest. But they still did not believe them either. Now later, he appears to the eleven as they sat at the table. And the first thing he does, he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And then he goes on and he declares, go into all the world. And we read that, that first part of that text. And we, we, we see that, that part of the Great Commission and we go, yes and amen. But we don't see what precedes it. And there's a lesson here. You see, how can disciples who walked and talked with Jesus lose their faith in him? I'm going to tell you how. It's the same way that you and I if we're not careful, can lose our faith in Jesus Christ. How many want to know what those three things are? Think about it. These guys, they, they were around Jesus, just like some of you. I see it all the time. Sometimes people will be in church a year, two years, three years. The next thing you know, they're back in the world. Folks, if you truly love yourself, you must protect and feed your faith because it can be stripped from you. It can be stripped from you. And sometimes we don't hold tight to it. Sometimes we take it for granted. And we are going to be highly disappointed thinking that we have a faith that we don't have. Come on. So there are three things that can steal your faith this morning. How many of y'all want to know what these three things are? This part of the room does. I say, how many of y'all want to know what these three things are? All right. 
There's three things that could steal your faith. Number one, first thing that's going to steal your faith in Jesus Christ is your experiences. Your experiences. See, the disciples, again, they had heard Jesus. They had seen Jesus. They were there in the meetings. How could it be that when they had heard that he had risen from the dead, they didn't believe? Almost doesn't make sense, but you got to understand something. They allowed their experience of seeing Jesus bloodied, spit upon, hanging on a cross. They allowed that experience to speak louder than the word of God in their hearts. Now think about this. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 16, 21, that Jesus, look what it says there. It says, from then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly. So it's not like they didn't know this was going to happen. He had been telling them, preparing them, plainly explaining, hey guys, I'm going to die, but don't sweat it. I'm going to raise again on the third day. So look what it says. It says there uh, that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem. And then he tells them he would suffer many terrible things at the hands. Now he tells them who's going to do it at the hands of the elders and the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. He said he would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. So Jesus gave them his word. Why couldn't they stand on his word? You want to know why? They allowed the experience and the horror of seeing Jesus on the cross to steal their faith. They allowed the the, the trauma that they went through watching their Lord and Savior crucified at the hands of Roman soldiers and he was spit upon and he was laughed at and ridiculed and whipped. Guys, that was traumatic because they loved Jesus. So the trauma, listen now, of that experience stole their focus and they took their eyes off of God's word. Now, what was Jesus's word? Jesus's word was this. I'm going to die. I'm going to suffer, but I'll be back. Come on, Honor Schwarzenegger, come on. He said, I'll be back on the third day. Even told them the day he would come back. The third day rolls around, and Mary Magdalene, who they know knows Jesus, comes and says, guys, he's back. And they didn't believe. Granted, it wasn't some kook. It wasn't some wino that said this. It was somebody they knew. And they still couldn't see it. Then you get another chance. Two more guys, two of the disciples come, or two more of the followers come. We seen Jesus. They said, no, you didn't. And they didn't believe. Now, before you get too hard on the disciples, you and I do the exact same thing. And we allow our experiences to speak louder than the word of God. And we start believing our experiences, our trauma, more than we believe God's word. And you know what it does? It snatches your faith. 
It snatches your faith to where you won't even believe it until you see it. And I'm just telling you, that's not how faith works. Faith does not work when you see it. When you see it and when you receive it, you don't need faith. You have it. Faith works on the other side of that to help you receive it before you see it. And some of you can't receive from God anymore because you live based on your experiences. Some of you don't believe God doesn't heal anymore. You know why? Because God didn't heal your tia. God didn't heal heal my uncle. Well, what about this and what about that? Hey, you can live based on that experience, but I'm going to tell you something. If you choose to live on that experience, your faith is going to take a shaking. Now, here's the thing about living by experiences, right? Too many times when we try to live by experiences, we don't have all the information. And that's dangerous. We don't have the big picture. And we try to draw a conclusion without all the information. And when you do that, the Bible calls you a fool. And we do that sometimes. Well, you know, I was talking to somebody and they said, well, you know, if God heals, I don't believe God heals because he didn't heal my aunt when she had cancer. I remember talking to a family member after my mother passed away of Parkinson's disease. And this family member just kind of opened up and they said, hey, you know, I want to talk to you. My faith is a little shaken in God. I said, why? I said, because, well, I know, you know, your mom, she prayed every day. She read her Bible. She was a good person. And we prayed that God would heal her and she wasn't healed. Now, what this person in my family was doing, they were now taking this experience and they were going to use this experience for the basis of what they believe. But the problem was they didn't have all the information. So I began to tell this person in my family, I said, well, let me tell you a little story. One day I went over to pray with my mom. And while I was praying, the Holy Spirit said, ask her if she wants to be healed. And I said, I said, Mom, I want you to be honest with you right now. We're, we're, we're praying for you to be healed, but are you ready to go home and be with Jesus? She said, mijo, she said, I'm ready. I'm ready to go to heaven. And from that moment forward, I stopped praying for her healing. This family member didn't know that. So in their mind, they want to know, God, why didn't you heal her? They didn't know that she didn't want to be healed. She was ready to go home. She was ready to walk the streets of gold to see her mom and dad again and those that had passed on before her. And so I stopped praying for healing. And so this is why you cannot base your faith on experiences because you don't know everything that's going on. I met another person that said, well, pastor, I ain't serving God. I said, why? Because he didn't stop my dad My dad was killed in a shootout and some gang violence. Where was God then? And this person was blaming God for the death of their father who died in a gang violent shootout. See, they're drawing a conclusion based on experience, now assigning it to their belief system. But see, why do we do that and blame God when we don't have the full picture? Could it be? That there was a time when that young man was faced with a decision, serve Jesus Christ or be in the streets. 
Oh, come on. Come on. How many know what I'm talking about? God gives us free will. And God says, come and follow me or stay in the streets, sell crack, be a part of that game. And some people, do you know, some people choose the street life. But when you choose the street life, consequences come with that street life. And then when the consequences come, we want to blame God. God, where were you? I'll tell you where God was. God was in those times that that brother or sister had a choice to make. Come and follow me or choose the street life. If you choose the street life, don't go blaming God when you die in a shootout. Don't go blaming God when crack steals your mind or or crystal meth takes you and rips you from your family. Don't blame God. Your decision and your choice was made by you. And so some of you that are holding God hostage because of your experiences, quit doing that. You don't know the full story. And you know what? You'll never know the full story. Well, if God was real, why was I born to a mom that couldn't love me right? I'll tell you why. Because we all make decisions. And your mom or your grandmother made decisions that I'm sorry you and I had to pay for. But don't blame God. Because the God I know gives everybody a way out of their circumstances. This is why you got to keep your eyes on his word. I tell you what, your experiences will lead you astray. Your experiences will convince you that your experience is greater than God's word. But I'm here to tell you this. The word of God is tried and true. The most powerful, powerful thing on earth. It's the thing we base our lives on. But people, we got to get serious about our faith. Let me tell you something about, uh, side note, let me tell you something about that word of, that word faith there. Most of us, you got to strengthen, we got to strengthen our understanding of what that means. Because many of us here have situational faith, okay? What's situational faith? Well, you are good, your faith is strong when everything in your situation is good. That's when we see you at church, when the bills are paid. When everything's good, you and, your, you and your wife ain't funking, you know, you're good. You ain't arguing, you're good. You're, you're in a good situation, so you got faith. But when your situation turns bad, we don't see you. And then when we ask you, hey, where you been? Oh, pastor, I didn't come to church, man, because I just ain't been doing good. That don't make no sense. That's like saying, why didn't you go to the hospital? I didn't go to the hospital because I was sick. (laughs) You need to know that when you're not doing good, that's when you need the house of God. That's when you need the word of God. But here's your problem. Your faith is situational. If my situation's good, me and God are good. But when things are bad, I don't even talk to God. I don't want nothing to do with God. Uh, See, you got to fix that. And then there's some of us that got, that got uh, a faith that's ceremonial. You ever heard of ceremonial faith? 
I hate ceremonial faith. I hate it. It's when we only want God in the ceremonies of our life. Like a wedding. We want Jesus at the wedding ceremony. We want Jesus to walk down the aisle and be there as the two become one. But then when the reception starts, we want the devil to come on in. And let's get turned. Hey, Jesus, you ain't invited to the reception. You stay there at the ceremony and we're going to let the devil come into the reception. It's even worse with, worse with quinceañeras. I still can't figure out why we got alcohol at a 15-year-old's party. I, I don't get it. We should call CPS on them folks. It's a 15-year-old girl and you got kegs. And you got beer, you got mixed drinks going on. It got real quiet in this Baptist church today. <laughs> so we want Jesus at the ceremony. Bless my little mijita, put her in a nice dress. I'm pray over her, amen. Uh, uh, but Jesus, don't come to the reception because we're going to get turned, we're going to get wild. Hey, I can't, Jesus, excuse my cousin Mondo, I don't know what he's going to get into. But, but. That's ceremonial faith. It's fake. Can y'all handle this today? And here's the worst one. Funerals. Y'all want me to come and talk about your cousin or your niece or your nephew, who most of us know wasn't living a godly life. And I got to get up there and create some kind of hope that they made it into heaven. And the family members come up and say, we're going to see them again. And I'm up here thinking, man, I hope we do. I really hope we do. Now, I'm not the judge and the jury, so every funeral I do, I understand there could be a, there could be a, a last second salvation like the thief on the cross. That maybe just before they died, they came to the realization and said, God, forgive me that I've been living like this and come into my life. And at the last second, they could be saved. Every funeral I do, I believe that. But if I'm 100% honest with you, that ain't always the case. But you want to pretend like it is. You want to know why? Because you got ceremonial faith. And that's fake. It's phony. When you have a wedding, don't kick Jesus out for the reception. Glorify him at the reception. Honor him at the reception. And the church said, Amen. if you're having quinceañeras and you're celebrating your daughter and you're a believer, invite Jesus to the ceremony. But he needs to be at the reception. Amen. I love you guys. Amen. I do. But we got, we got to move away from this, this kind of fake, false faith. And we need to have faith that influences everything we do. So there are three things that could steal your faith. The first thing is your experiences. The second thing, you ready for this? The second thing, are you ready for this? Yes. I, th I think I made some of y'all mad today. I don't know. I had, to, I had to hurt you to help you today. All right. The second thing that will steal your faith that we see that happen to the disciples is your disappointment. And this is a big one, guys. 
because we've all been disappointed. I've been disappointed by people. I've been disappointed by circumstances. I've been disappointed by God. And if you're completely honest, you probably have too. Why didn't things happen quicker for you? How come Jessica's getting married and you ain't getting married yet? I thought I would be married by now. I thought I would. See, disappointment happens, y'all. It happens. And sometimes if we're not careful, if we're not protecting our faith, we could allow disappointment to snatch our faith. And that's what happened to the disciples. Even though they walked and talked with Jesus, saw the miracles, did the miracles, they were so disappointed in Jesus on that cross because they had built up this belief that Jesus was going to set up an earthly kingdom and they were going to rule and reign in that kingdom. And when they saw Jesus on the cross and him, it looked like he was in utter defeat. They were so disappointed. They gave up on their dream. They stopped believing God. And this happens to us. We believe God's a healer until the doctor tells us you have cancer. We believe God's a healer. Yes, you can do it, God. You are a healer until the doctor says, you're not going to live too long. This diabetes is going to take you out. And then we're so disappointed, we stop believing God. And we start focusing on our disappointment. There are other people that stop serving God altogether when God doesn't do things the way he wants them to. They stop serving God altogether. Well, you know, I thought I would be, I thought my career, I'd be more successful by now. I thought I would own a house by now. I thought I would be married by now. Why did this happen? I'm so disappointed. My marriage didn't work out. Why aren't my kids serving God just yet? We're disappointed. We're disappointed. You have a miscarriage. Disappointed. And then we begin to let that disappointment take away our faith. That's what happened to the disciples. Proverbs 13, 12 says it like this. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And a sick heart, it's very hard to believe. And so church, we got to manage our disappointments. We got to give our disappointments over to God, especially when we're disappointed in God. God, why didn't I, why doesn't this happen sooner? Here's what I've always had to learn, that God knows better than you and I. And there are some things I, I have to make peace with. I'll never know why some people get healed and some people don't. I'll never know why it's taken so long to get from point A to point B in your life. And you'll never know either. But what you, have, what you must learn to do is trust God and have faith in God. We've got to be careful that we don't let disappointment steal from us. Because many believers do. Oh, I'm not changing enough. I'm not, things aren't happening quick enough for me. So we give up on God. I once knew somebody that said, Pastor, I've been serving God now for this amount of time, and I do everything. I tithe, I serve, and I'm still not married. Okay? So because of that, I'm not going to church no more. I've seen it, experienced it. And you know what's happened? That person has allowed their disappointment to snatch their faith in God. And they've also allowed it to make them a fool. Because if you think you're going to find a man out in the club, you're a fool. Real men ain't out in the club. Dogs are out in the club. 
we got a dog here, I guess. I guess. Over here barking. I don't know what's going on. I guess we got some in church. That's a lesson, ladies. Don't let your disappointment get your eyes off of the word of God. Don't let your experience get your eyes off of the word of God. You know, when my wife and I were in Florida, we used to do a basketball league there as an outreach similar to the one we did here. And I'll never forget, we were at the championship game, and there was this mother that would come to all the games, and, and she'd be there for her son. He didn't have a father. And in the championship game, while the game's going on, third quarter, she ends up passing out right in the middle of the game, right in the top, the top row of, of the bleachers, and just passed out. Well, obviously, we stopped the game. We all ran over to her, tried to revive her. Nobody could revive her. We called the paramedics. We had to stop everything. And that night, I couldn't sleep a wink because I just kept seeing how that affected the kid in the league. He was about 13 years old, and uh, he had little brothers. And I stayed up all night just praying and crying out to God, God, don't let that woman die. Don't let that woman die. Well, by the time, you know, in, sometime in the middle of the night, we got the call that she had passed away. And I was just so heartbroken. I couldn't believe it. This woman, I saw the struggle she was having with her kids. And no joke, I just began to set my faith. And I said, God, if she's dead, you can raise her from the dead. And I stayed up that night just praying and praying and praying. And I thought, okay, tomorrow I'm going to call uh, one of the other ministers. And we're going to go over there and we're going to pray for her. And we're going to raise her from the dead. And I wish I could finish this story by telling you that we went over there and we raised her from the dead. I wish we could do that. We could all celebrate. But can I tell you, that was not my experience. And I was deeply disappointed that God didn't answer my prayer. And this woman was not raised from the dead. She died. You know, and, and so, and so I, I, I sat there so deeply disappointed and I sat there with a decision to make. God, am I going to allow this situation to affect my ministry the rest of my life? Am I going to draw a conclusion based on this experience or will I continue to live by faith in your word? Because the, the, the opportunity was, for me was there to say, you know what? I don't believe God heals anymore. I don't believe God, we can raise people from the dead. I don't believe this no more because I tried and it didn't happen. No, I made a decision. God, I'm not going to let my experience or my disappointment steal my faith. Amen. And since that day, I tell you what, I continue to pray for the sick. Some get healed, some don't. Some get healed immediately. Some, it takes a while. I don't know why, and I'll never know why. But my job is not to draw my faith from these situations. It's to draw it from his word. And it's yours too. Some of you have allowed your disappointment and your experiences to steal your faith. You don't know the big picture. My advice to you is get your mind and get your heart back on God's word. And the last thing, number three, the last thing that comes to steal your faith. You ready? It's popular opinion popular opinion. The devil's going to use popular opinion to steal your faith in God. We see this from all throughout the Bible. We even saw this in the book of Numbers with the Israelites. Numbers chapter 11, 1 through 4. Let me tell you something. This is the time when Israel had been delivered from Egypt. And as they're walking through 
the wilderness, they begin to complain. Look what it says. Soon the people began to complain about their hardship. And the Lord heard everything they said. And the Lord's anger blazed against them. Come on, tell your neighbor, stop complaining. Tell him. Now listen, look what it says here. And the Lord heard everything they said, and his anger blazed against them. Tell your neighbor, God don't like it. Now, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he didn't like complaining then, he don't like it now. Let's keep reading. Look what it says here. And then the Lord's anger blazed against them, and he sent a fire to rage among them, and he destroyed some of the people in the outskirts of the camp. Tell your neighbor, God's going to get you. No, no, don't tell him that. Don't tell him. Because we're under a new covenant. We're under a new covenant. Jesus died on the cross to make sure that we could be spared from that. Somebody say amen. amen. But God still don't like it. So you need to quit doing it. But look what it says here. And some of, uh, then the people screamed to Moses for help. And when he prayed to the Lord, the fire stopped. And after that, the area known as Tibera, uh, because of the burning of the fire, because fire from the Lord had burned among, from, among them there. Now listen to this. Then the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt. Now who are the foreign rabble? Well, the Message Bible calls them the riffraff. We all know who the riffraff is. But many Bible theologians and scholars believe that these were people of mixed origin. These were people that many times some of the Israelites had babies with some of the Egyptian women or some of the Israelite women had babies with some of the Israel, I'm sorry, some of the Egyptian men and they produced this, this, this mixed breed of child. Now, this is not anything about racial mixed breed, but here's what it symbolizes that there were people with the people of God that were still in the world, but also in the kingdom. Because Egypt represents the world. And so these mixed babies or mixed people represent people who had one foot in the world and one foot in God. Just like some of us in this very Just look straight ahead. Nobody will know I'm talking about you. Some of y'all got one foot in the world, one foot in God. And I'm just going to tell you something. It never works. Never. You think you're fooling somebody, but you're never fooling God. And look what begins to happen. The foreign rebels who were traveling with Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt. So here's what they began to do because they got one foot in the world and one foot in God. They began to go, hey, man, what are you doing Friday night? Don't you just miss the club? Remember when you used to go out with a different girl every single weekend? They're always reminiscing about the good things, right? They never reminisce about the bad things. Sure, you was going home with a girl every other night, but you also had to get some shots, because he was catching stuff. You also woke up next to some Mothras and Godzillas. (laughs) 
But here's what I want you to catch before I let you go here. I'm almost done. Here's what I want you to catch. So they began to crave the things of the world. And the people of Israel also began to complain for the things of the world. See, the popular opinion began to influence them and steal their faith in God. And it's still happening today. Guys, you got to start feeding your faith. You got to quit listening to these influencers on Instagram and TikTok. You got to quit listening to people that don't know God and allowing them to influence you. Because it will rob you of the very faith that you and I are supposed to have in our God. We must protect our faith. Hebrews 11.6 says this, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. Mark 11.24 says, therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask for when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Mark 9, 23 and 24, Jesus says there, Jesus says to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. But it's the big if. Can you believe? Can you believe? So here's what I'm doing at church. I'm doing everything I can to give you the word of God, to build faith in you. But some of you have to stop coming to church like you're still in the Catholic church. You got to quit coming to church like in your old religious denomination. Because see, in the Catholic church, and please take it easy. I'm not throwing rocks against my brothers and sisters. I used to go to Catholic church with my friends and went to St. Paul, St. Rose. But here's how we used to go to Catholic church. We would go to check the box. You go to Catholic church. So that God sees you took the Eucharist, you went, you did your time, and you left. We didn't go to church to get a word. We didn't go to church to build our faith. And some of you still go to church exactly like that. You're not here to receive a word. You're not here to build your faith. You're here to check the box. And in the kingdom of God, there are no boxes to check. There ain't no merit points in the kingdom of God. There's no brownie points. Some of y'all say, why'd I come then? I'll tell you why you came. You want to know why you come to church? Number one, to bring spiritual sacrifices to God because he's been good to you. So you should come and worship him and praise him because he's good to you. Number two, You come to give God the sacrifice of our offerings and our worship through our tithes. We give to God because he's been good to us. Number three, you come to church so you can build your faith and stop believing goofy things. You build your faith so you can believe God more than you believe the trauma that took place in your life. You can believe God's word more than you believe in your experiences and your disappointment. This is why we're here. But you got to build your faith. If you're not building your faith, listen, you're truly not loving yourself. Amen? Amen. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Why don't you just close your eyes and bow your heads? Because some of you here, you have allowed your faith to be shaken by your experiences, by your disappointments, and by the popular opinion of the people you're But the incredible thing about God is he's gracious. And once you learn that this has happened, you could easily repent and come home. 
Well, I hope you've been encouraged by the word of God. And if you have, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast or download our free app at the App Store and you can continue to get word every week from Elevate Life Church.